This is the Ask Foleschini podcast, where the modern economy is discussed from a skeptic's perspective. Mr. Foleschini helps you distinguish what is sustainable in our economy and what isn't. Not everything that glitters is gold, and not all mud is dirty. The podcaster Mr. Foleschini provides no-nonsense advice. He had it all, lost it all, went bankrupt multiple times, and is now attempting to come back from zero with sustainable growth. There are numerous coaches and preachers on the internet that preach about positive thinking and how life is all roses if you just care to see it that way. Well, Mr. Foleschini is definitely not one of them. We recommend you ask Foleschini to keep it real. He discusses the darker side of the current economic reality, the side that's more important for your personal and business finance. His first intention is to help you keep what you already have. Not to be a complete party pooper, Mr. Foleschini will also hint at the earning opportunities in the economy today. In order to please the almighty algorithm, please like, share, and subscribe. And now it's time to start taking notes. The mic goes to the podcaster, the one and only Mr. Foleschini. Thank you, Taylor. In the turbulent times we are living, everybody is questioning the resilience of the economy to inflation, high interest rates, supply shortages, and fluctuating demand. Some claim big companies are more resilient because they can utilize more resources, and others claim small companies are more resilient because they are more flexible and able to adapt faster. History offers supporting data for both of these theories. I personally believe small companies are more resilient to changes and big companies are damaging to the economy, society, and the environment. And that is the reason why I'm dedicating this whole episode to answering the question from the title, why big companies are damaging the economy, society, and environment, while offering advice on opportunities to lower the negative impact of big companies. Let's get right into the theory. Big businesses have large capital and resources to grow. As a result, they have better economies of scale, allowing them to be more efficient. Large resources also support a strong market position and greater bargaining power with customers and suppliers. For the economy, the big businesses provide more output and jobs. Their influence on the economy is even greater if they operate in the financial industry. Take banks, for example. As they get bigger, they become more strategic for the economy. They play a major role in driving the economy through their role as a loan provider. As a result, if one of the big banks fails, it can shake the whole economy. For this reason, governments usually issue bailouts only to prevent major bank failures. Stakeholders often consider the business size when making economic decisions about the company. Here are some examples. Customers often view large companies positively. They see large companies tend to have high-quality to maintain their reputation and positive image. On the other hand, companies care about maintaining quality because they don't want their reputation ruined. With greater economies of scale, they're also more likely to offer lower prices. Investors consider the business size when allocating investments to a company's stock or corporate debt. They may perceive large companies as a safer because they have large resources, which allows them to have a competitive capacity and ability to make big money. Workers are also 
more comfortable working in large companies because they offer better opportunities, including salary or professional career paths. In addition, they are also considered to offer more job security than small companies because they are more competitive. Governments may charge different tax rates according to company size, or when providing subsidies or grants, size may also be a consideration. Creditors are concerned with the company size to determine the company's capacity to borrow. Large businesses have a higher borrowing capacity, making it easier to seek funding from banks and the capital markets. Suppliers prefer large companies because they are more likely to get large orders. That way, they can achieve higher economies of scale. So far, so good. Now, let's add other, less publicized facts about the large size businesses. Big companies might be the biggest contributor to GDP. On the other hand, they consume, utilize most of the national infrastructure, in most cases, largely disproportional to their contribution to GDP. Governments often prefer working with big companies since they only deal with one lobbyist. Let's not forget the narrative of job creation. Big companies create jobs, but nobody tells us that these jobs are mostly bullshit jobs that make people that work there miserable. And now to the most overlooked part of the story. Most CEOs of large-sized companies with the 1 million paychecks and above is in survival mode. Overworked and completely burned out. They are literally ready to die in order to improve share prices, profit, dividends, or just scale. They are under immense pressure and they are under impression that if they will not perform, there is no other job available for them and their social and economic status will be ruined. As a direct consequence of this mindset and burnout, of most of the CEOs, they push their employees to the limit and beyond. So employees resort to overusing resources and the vicious cycle continues. Families get ruined because people get exhausted and they can't establish work-private life balance. Family-friendly is often just a title of the program company has purchased in order to get certification. And nothing is really family-friendly in companies that make people work 18 hours a day. As most of my listeners are aware, is that a do-or-die situation does not enable long-term responsibility. So people and resources are overused, and ecology is only written on some fancy documents. It's not actual spirit of the company. In order to support my case that big companies are not sustainable, I will now present the well-known, well-publicized cases of the negative effect of big companies on society, the economy, and the environment. Let me start with society. One of the pillars of modern society is the legal system. We all trust that the legal system will take care of most injustice in our society. And as we know, large-sized companies have the best lobbyists, best public relations, and best lawyers, so they can manipulate prosecutors and court decisions to an extent that most people, most common people, 
have completely lost trust in the legal system. The best example for this are fines for laundering money. They have literally become just the cost of doing business for the big banks. According to a study done by International Money Fund, banks launder about 2.1 trillion each year. That is more than 2,000 times the amount of the money that Bitcoin has ever been accused of laundering. I ask you now, which banks are responsible for this 2.3 trillion of laundering? On June 17, law enforcement discovered 20 tons of cocaine abroad of a vessel owned by J.P. Morgan Chase in a Philadelphia port. It's estimated that the amount of cocaine had a street value of over $1 billion. That one seizure alone is more than what Bitcoin has been accused of laundering. And let's continue. Between 2004 and 2007, Wells Fargo has processed $373 billion through wire transfer from Mexican cartels. And Wall Street Journal has just recently published an article stating that Wells Fargo Bank was recently fined $22 million for whistleblower retaliation. Yes, you heard that correctly. Bank has retaliated against the employee that has reported illegal activities to the authorities after none of the management had used his report or done anything about his report about illegal activities. Don't forget, Wells Fargo is one of the big four banks of the United States. The bank is even backed by America's most beloved investor, Warren Buffett, the legendary billionaire that owned 100 million of Wells Fargo stock in his personal account. According to FactSet, his firm, Berkshire Hathaway, is the bank's biggest shareholder, holding literally 10% of the stock. On top of all the cases I've just described, the big companies can influence legislation. Yes, they can literally prepare a law suited for their business, and they can push it through Congress for approval. Let's continue with the economy. The modern economy is built on the premise that there is a free economic activity and that all participants have been given equal chances and equal rights in the market. If we simplify it, it would be let the best man win principle. If we use a bit of, let's say, simplified language. However, most of business people that have competed with big companies have experienced some kind of monopoly and others have experienced huge injustices while competing for clients with the big ones. One of the fields where big companies have the biggest advantage over the small ones is taxation. The big companies can take advantage of tax optimization due to the fact that they operate in many jurisdictions and of course have budgets available for the best tax advice. On the other hand, the big ones can push for legislation that gets them tax credits for their investments and similar benefits that are often not available to the small ones or are available, but due to the minimum size demand, they cannot be reached and are not viable for small companies. Subsidies are the second field where often big ones win over small ones. Let's have a look at Tesla. Tesla is currently the biggest automotive company in the world, according to their market value. When Tesla was the only electric car producer in the US, 
subsidies for electric cars made a lot of sense. Now, 12 years later, subsidizing luxury cars makes no sense. No sense from the ecological or economic point of view. It only makes sense for the buyer and the seller, but does nothing good for competition or society. All this inequality and other inequalities in the economy discourages many entrepreneurs and inventors to launch new products that could improve society. And last, but not least important, is the environment. The deep water horizon oil spill, also referred as BP oil spill, was an industrial disaster that began on 20th April 2010 off the coast of the United States in the Gulf of Mexico on the BP-operated prospect. The deep water horizon oil spill is considered to be the largest marine oil spill in the history of the petroleum industry and is estimated to be up to 30% larger in volume than the previous largest one. The United States federal government estimated that total discharge at 210 million gallons of oil was spilled in the Gulf of Mexico. After several failed efforts to contain the flow, the well was declared sealed on 19 September 2010. However, reports in early 2012 indicate that the well and the well site was still leaking. That is the reason why Deepwater Horizon oil spill is still regarded as one of the largest environmental disasters in world history. According to the satellite images, the spill directly affected 17,000 square miles of ocean, which is comparable to the site of Oklahoma. We all know that accidents happen, and big companies happen to have big accidents. And how do big companies solve their problem? Yes, they throw money at the problem. On the 14th of November 2012, BP and the U.S. Department of Justice reached settlement. BP had paid $4.5 billion in fines and other payments. $4.5 billion might seem a lot, but let's compare it with BP operating a revenue of $157 billion U.S. dollars in 2021, or BP reported net income in 2021 was $7.6 billion. If we put aside the time difference, inflation adjustment, etc., BP paid just 3% of one year's turnover or half of a one year's profit for ecological disasters that had a significant impact on the environment over the last decade. And yes, someone in administration had to agree with this low number. If we understand how many fishes and other species have died due to this oil spill. We now know that if you are a big company, you can get away with murder. You just pay a couple of billion that does not present even 5% of your turnover, and you can continue doing your, your operation as you did before. Let's conclude with the theory and the cases that were publicly discussed. And I now invite you to listen to my personal experiences with large-sized businesses. I was on both sides of large-sized businesses. Let me start with my managerial roles. I was the CEO of the company that had just over 2 billion turnover. I was president of the board of the company that had over 11 billion assets under management. Due to the contract, I cannot disclose the business names and business practices, but I can disclose 
how the position ruined my life. For 12 years, that is three, four-year term, I worked for 18 hours a day. I would travel up to 200,000 miles a year. I would eat when I had time, what was available there and then. I worked with my colleagues, and most of them were beyond the burnout. My relationships were total mess, to put it mildly. I was 40 pounds overweight, and my health was not good. Of course, this is not the excuse for all the negative impact that companies that I managed had on the economy, environment, and society. But it should help you understand that if you are in complete burnout, and if you don't sleep enough, if you travel too much, you're not able to reason. You're not able to do the right thing. You're not able to walk away when you should. You're not able to get healthy when your health is in complete decline. So it's just a reminder that even good people can make bad decisions just because they are so burned out, they're used to their core. And I also have experiences with dealing with large companies as a owner of a small company. So I got served the shortest end of the stick from the big companies while working as a subcontractor to the big companies. My deliveries were not paid to, and they accepted our electronics and they would not pay them. My intellectual property rights were stolen. So having seen both ends of negative impact of large companies, I'm certain that it does not have to be this way with big companies anymore. There is absolutely no need to operate big companies in a way that they were damaging to society, the economy, and the environment. There is a demanding but logical way to lower the negative impact of big companies. And let me present the opportunity I see in this field. Where there are threats, there are also numerous opportunities. And this is the list of opportunities on how to minimize the negative effect of large-sized businesses on society, ecology, and economy. I believe that big companies should start acknowledging that big companies have a negative effect on economy, society, and ecology. They should hire consultants, people from outside that are paramount for success, since you cannot expect people that have created the problem in the first place to be able to solve it. Large companies should go beyond company policies to minimize negative impact. They should dedicate a person, preferably board member, and give him or her budget so they can form a department and start working on minimizing the negative effects. They should prepare and offset policies and prepare a budget to support these policies. One thing that I think is the most important for all the big companies is to start hiring CEOs and all the staff in general with sustainable lifestyle. People that are on the brink of burnout, that do not eat healthy, that do not uh, exercise, that do not sleep enough, that travel too much, are not sustainable. People need to be healthy because only the healthy body can have healthy mind and only healthy mind can stop the negative effects of big companies, namely their negative effects on society, ecology, and economy. Let's move to the 
opportunities for business people working outside big companies or weak big companies as a supplier. Use advantages big companies have. Economy of scale is one of the advantages. And protect yourself against big companies. So be heavily insured against the lawsuits and uh, similar. Understand the threat and act accordingly. And the rule of thumb would be never buy or sell more than 20% to or from a single big company. This will help you remain independent in the future. And as always, there are also opportunities for consultants. How to protect or fight against big companies. How to implement big companies' advantages in small companies. And consultants should also be able to explore weaknesses of big companies. On the other hand, if they work for big companies, they should help them understand their impact and how they can minimize their negative impact on the society environment, and ecology. Consultants should also help politicians and society understand the negative impact of big companies and how this impact can be minimized through legislation, through executive orders, and similar. Let me conclude this episode by stating, absolute power corrupts absolutely. My opinion is that business practices of most big companies, regardless of their internal programs and public messages, are not sustainable. Big companies are often portrayed as movers of the economy, but many of them destroy everything and everyone in the long run. My first-hand experiences with big companies showed that a change is possible. If we, as a society, first acknowledge all the problems of big companies and start working towards solution, the world will become a better place and big companies can become more beneficial for society, the economy, and the environment. And back to Ted. Thank you, Mr. Faleschini, for this outstanding podcast. And thank you for listening to the Ask Faleschini podcast until the end. Mr. Faleschini would love to hear your feedback in the comments. And don't forget, if you want to know, ask Faleschini. Or listen to the Ask Faleschini podcast. In order to please the almighty algorithm, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. 